Good morning, everybody. You're listening to X-Ray. Portland's District 33 covers everything from the Pearl District out to Bethany. Is that the same representative for almost 18, for almost 20 years, almost two decades? Now there is a new face, Saren Bustle, running as a Democrat for District 33, one of a bunch of legislative races, including legislative primaries that are up right now, and we're going to try to cover all of them. Saren Bustle, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Who are you and why are you running? Well, as you mentioned, I'm Saren Bustle. I'm a geologist. I'm a dog mom. I'm a union member. And I'm running for House District 33, as you mentioned. And I am running because, frankly, I'm pretty angry. I'm angry at our leaders at the state level for not putting racial justice and social justice first in everything that they do. And I think we need to change that. Mitch Greenlick has been in office since 2002. What's the state of play with the race? So there are f- currently four people who have filed to run, and uh, I'm one of those four. And we're all, you know, giving it a good go and fundraising and door knocking. And I'm excited about talking to voters in Northwest Portland and talking to them about campaign finance reform and health care and housing for all and climate justice. In a Democratic primary, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of unanimous, right? I mean, there ain't, ain't going to be nobody who says, you know what we really need in Northwest Portland? A bunch more guns. It's, it's sort of unlike, you know what we really need is to make sure we, uh, we, we, need, we need to bring back conversion therapy, right? These are not, you know, right. these are not the issues. Uh, there is an issue of how one differentiates themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone can do that with name familiarity. Someone can do that with greater fundraising. Someone that can do it with more vigorous campaigning. You, some, and sometimes you can do that on positions, on way things you right. bring. Where do you think, as you now see some of the candidates, where do you think some of the differentials lie among the candidates? Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of folks will notice a lot of similarities with us in terms of our educational backgrounds or professional backgrounds or experience working in policy. But for myself, I think my position is that I am the furthest left, most progressive candidate. I'm a member of the Democratic Socialists of America. I do support Bernie Sanders. Go, Bernie. And, um, you know, I believe in things like making sure that uh, sex work is legalized, that we decriminalize drug use, that we reform our prison system. And, you know, I want to make sure that we get money out of politics, because I think when we break it down, it's a racial justice issue. We know that communities of color have had less historically less um, access to intergenerational wealth and community wealth and we need to make sure that those barriers are taken down so that people can access government and run for office and when people are in office they are supported to be there with a living wage salary let's talk about campaign finance reform uh, for a moment obviously you, you just triggered me uh, <laughs> the uh, our current mayor is taking large contributions our to back up a little bit from there our city, with 87% of the mm-hmm. 87.4 maybe percent of the vote, voted to limit contributions in city council races right. uh, to a significantly lower level. And the mayor said, ah, well, because of the similar thing, because the court said that uh, Anson Scalia's opinion of freedom of speech includes money and therefore it should be unlimited. I don't need to abide by this. What would you say to the mayor? Do you think the mayor made the right decision to, you know, take five and ten grand checks or, or what would you have to say to him? 
That is a good question. I, well, personally, uh, I have taken a pledge since my kickoff on October 1st to only accept contributions of up to $500 from individuals and from PACs, and I'm not taking any corporate PAC money because I do believe that the voters have spoken both in the city of Portland and in Multnomah County that we should be getting money out of politics. And also, I'm also the on the commission, the Portland and Open and Accountable Elections Commission, which is the program to have public financing of elections for mayor, city councilor, and auditor positions in Portland. And I believe if the mayor wants to uh, live values about getting money out of politics, and he also believes in making sure that those barriers are lowered for folks, then he should abide by those limits as well. And I got to say, I was disappointed by the auditor's decision. And um, I, I do believe that we should be abiding by those $500 contribution limits. Pearl District. Bethany, what's the reaction in the Pearl District to a DSA member running for the state house? <laughs> when you go door to door and say, hey, what, you know, what comes to the reaction? Yeah. And by the way, Dad, you got questions. Feel free to chime in. Pop's with us as well. <laughs> He's in the other studio. Hello. So, so I, um, I get the sense, well, first of all, I believe that overall our, whether we're talking to school board members or city councilors or county commissioners or folks at the state level, I think we are underestimating how liberal the electorate is. And so when I'm talking to folks on the doors and I tell them that I want to smash the patriarchy and overturn systems of oppression and tax the rich, people are like, yeah, right on. <laughs> Not away. So, yeah. All from the Oregon legislature. That's <laughs> the Oregon. I guess the Oregon legislature is, you know, smashing the patriarchy. It's actually now run essentially by uh, run by a, a women leadership team. Uh, what do you think, Dad? You got questions for this witness? Go ahead. <laughs> I do. First question you are a DSA person. DSA, as I understand it right this minute, I'm not sure is even a registered political party in Oregon. Correct. Are you actually a registered Democrat? I am a registered Democrat. And to be clear, I have not been endorsed by DSA. I just want to make that distinction clear. I personally am a member of the Democratic Socialists of America. Okay. Other question is the governor has said to the legislature that she doesn't think the legislature should try to do anything next month about campaign finance because we should wait to see what happens to the initiative that we hopefully will be voting on this fall to change the language in the Oregon Constitution, which has been the language which caused the Oregon Supreme Court to say there can be no limits on campaign financing in Oregon, which is a real problem. Right. And the Supreme Court also is going to be reconsidering or possibly reconsidering that decision. Do you think, understanding you're not going to be there to vote, but if you were there, would you be agreeing with the governor that we should wait until next January? Or do you think the, gov the legislature should try to do something in the short session? So I don't think it hurts to try, first of all. And having I was formerly chief of staff to State Senator Jeff Golden and really honored to be able to work with him on SJR 18, which, as you mentioned, is the constitutional referral that will be on the ballot in November to allow um, voters to decide whether the legislature can regulate campaign finance. And so that was a huge victory. And But, but when you go from infinity to something, 
a lot of negotiations are going to have to take place in terms of what those limits will be. And there are a lot of stakeholders that are going to need to be at the table. And so while while I believe the governor can come out and say what her opinion is one way or the other, I think it's a, a conversation that should be had. And I don't see any reason why the conversation can't at least be started during the short session involving those stakeholder groups and community groups, um, you know, organizations like Common Cause and Osberg and unions and folks that need to be at the table to help determine what those regulations are going to be. Have you found any difference betwixt you and the other candidates on the issue of campaign finance? That's a good question. Um, we haven't, no one's taken any kind of sure. personal, you know, uh, publicly stated pledge or. You're, you the only one who's, you're the <laughs> as, only one who's self limiting uh, your contribution. As far as I know, I, I just want to be clear I have not asked the other candidates to take a pledge, whatever they, you know, because we are in a state of unlimited campaign contributions. I think everyone has to do what's personally right for them because that is what the law says. There aren't limits in place. Those are the self-imposed limits that I've chosen to take. And I have not asked them specifically if there's other limitations that they're accepting. Are there uh, other, actually, are, are you having debates? Because one of the things I find really interesting about legislative primaries, is they really matter, okay? Particularly in a district like yep. yours, whoever, this, whoever was winning this primary is going to be in the legislature. Right. They're not going to be beaten by Republicans. So they really matter. But in terms of press coverage, I and mean, that's why we're doing this, mm -hmm. right? That's why I'm so grateful to like X-ray supporters so that we can actually ha get a because there aren't there, there aren't that many. You don't do a whole lot of interviews, right? right? Like not a whole lot of media interviews, not a right. whole lot of Oregonian stories, right? Right. Well, and okay, so two things come to mind there. So regarding debates and forums, there will be. I know the Beaverton Chamber is going to be hosting one on the of commerce, not the Beaverton Chamber of Humanity or the Beaverton Correct. Chamber Correct. of Peace and Justice. I believe so. Um, okay. Hosted by um, and also in partnership with North. West Natural, I believe, and PG, they're hosting something. And then, the and then I apologize, Brad Avakian reached out his organization out in Washington. Well, I don't know if it's his organization, but a, an organization. He's, Washington County Forum. Yes, it is. yes. Yeah. They'll be hosting a forum on April 6th. So, yes, there so will be, be events. Some, some forum. You haven't had them yet. You're no, still waiting correct. on those. We're still waiting on those. And then as far as media, you know, outreach and, and attention goes, I mean, I just want to put a plug in for publicly financed, you know, nonprofit media because I I do believe that the corporatization, capitalization of our media causes folks to need to bring in those advertising dollars, which means bringing in eyeballs, which means in, then skewing towards more sensationalized stories, which then makes it how could turn that, into how would more you imagine that could ever happen? entertainment. If, if you were right, wouldn't <laughs> we have then, seen that happen you know, at the presidential level? And oh, then we see that on the presidential level. Thank you. The... Uh, uh, Pop, go ahead. Something I would just point out, you're going to have those forums, and there will be dozens, maybe if you're lucky, as many as 100 at one of those forums. But you should tell your constituents, if they want to hear you on media, all they have to do is go to xray.fm and go to the archives 
to this morning's broadcast and they can hear you interviewed on the radio. What a great plug. I'll be sure to note that on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Thank you. Uh, Got a text in, Portland is liberal except the way we drive. How much we drive? Are you going to agitate against the way most Portlanders drive? Uh, (laughs) And I don't mean it's like stop merging without blinking. Right, but no freeway expansion, for example. Uh, Let's ask about that. How you feel? Rakai Adams just came out calling it a hustle. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The obviously I was railing against the boondoggle called the Columbia River Crossing years ago. Uh, Where are you on the highway expansions? When it comes to any highway expansions, for the most part, I'm opposed because I think we we know induced demand is a real thing, first of all. Second of all, climate change is also the most pressing issue of our time. And if we don't start investing in public transit to provide and free public transit. So shout out to Opal and the work that they're doing to um, make sure that there's free public transit for riders in Portland. Um, we have to make sure that people can get to work, that they can go get their groceries, that they can get to their homes, and that they can do it in a speedy, reliable, accessible way. And that is a great way to address climate change and reduce congestion by getting people out of their cars and onto public transit off the roads. If uh, if people want to text in again, it's nine. 971-220-5979. If you have a question, 971-220-5979. You're listening to X-Ray. We're talking to Sarah and Bustle, candidate for House District 33. So definitely of interest to people who live on the west side of Portland. Also of interest to anybody who gives a darn about what's happening here in the state of Oregon. Pop, go ahead. Talking about the highways, how would you feel about having tolling that is for drivers based not just on the time of day but on the number of people in the car which could significantly raise carpooling and significantly diminish the number of cars on the road hmm that's an interesting question to be honest no one else no one has posed that to me this before is thing. <laughs> thing. they've posed tolling they've posed congestion pricing um the honest answer is I haven't really given it much thought, but thank you for bringing it up, and I would love to have a conversation with you outside well, of this let, about it, or let, if you have suggestions. Let, <laughs> Dad, remind me, how do you imagine let's, counting? Let's, ha- let's have that conversation briefly. <laughs> Did you okay. hear my question? This is an idea <laughs> which I came up with back probably about the time you were born, or maybe a little before you were born, when I was the executive director of the Pacific Northwest Regional Commission, and I commuted mostly on my bicycle, but sometimes in my car, to Vancouver, where my office was every day. And back in those days, the traffic north in the morning and south in the afternoon was very light, but the traffic towards Portland in the morning and away from Portland at night was pretty close to the way it is now. Right. And I looked at those poor suckers, and all of them were sitting in their cars by themselves. And I I wanted, and had, had the Regional Commission survived, something that I really wanted to do, back before we had computers and before we had social media, I wanted to hire a hundred poll takers to interview all of those drivers, those commuting drivers, to find out where they lived and where they worked and what time they were, and to come up with a system that enabled them to communicate with each other and start carpooling. Well, of course, now you wouldn't have to have anybody out there taking information. Now all you'd have to do is have a social media system that allowed people to connect with each other. And if you had a toll system, 
that was fairly expensive during rush hour if you were by yourself, significantly less expensive if you had somebody with you, and really a lot less expensive, maybe even free if you had two or more people with you, you could encourage people to find carpooling and instead of having 99 or 95% of those cars by one person, you could have maybe 60% of those cars with two or three persons, which would hugely and immediately drastically reduce the number of cars. And I just think that is How would you count to be done. <laughs> I tried to ask you before. I don't think you can. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you fine. I, I want to ask my question again. How would you count them? How would you count them? You'd, they, they would, you'd have a lane to go through. So just the operator at the, it would just do a one, two, three, four count of the yeah. people in the car and yep. they'd go fast? Well, yeah. honestly, so it's an interesting proposal. And I do think that fundamentally, first of all, we need to get more cars off the road. And imagine if instead of four people sitting in a car, there were 200 people sitting on a light rail train altogether. Um, I think that would even more significantly reduce the impact the emissions impacts towards climate change um, and we do need to look at you know that last mile approach so that people how do people get from the max stop or the bus stop to wherever they're going next um, so that's always an issue and but providing more transportation how do you want to deal with how do you want how do you want to deal how do you want to deal with the last mile scooters what else you want to do oh scooters oh my goodness um I don't know about scooters I'm all for scooters I mean, <laughs> I, mean I do like, like more scooters, transportation options. Yeah. um, You know, that's another great question that I am not a transportation expert. I do. I do want to just make a quick plug in for, you know, for folks running for office. We don't know everything about everything. And um, that's also another issue that I know is a a challenge, but something that I'm not a urban planning or transportation. Yeah, because I think it's I think it's I think it's a significant deal. Right. I will say I myself, dad is not wanting me to talk. Go ahead, Pop. (laughs) Well, I just want to point out I'm all in favor of buses, but something that we need to recognize as a reality that in real life, the one of, if not the most important right that Americans insist upon is not the right to free speech, is not the right to religion. It is the right to go anywhere at any time by any method we choose. And Dad, are you rea- running for House District 33? That's the reality we have to well, re- recognize. I think, with. I think Dad's and, announcing his candidacy. And when you're talking about getting, when you're talking you about getting to work. Work ultimately is a very finite location. And no matter how good the transit system you have is, you're not going to be able to stop at every single place of employment. You're, sure. you, you might be able to have a stop at, at one of the Intel places, but not all of the Intel places, for example, which has an awful lot of people commuting across. So, so if you just did something that encouraged people to maximize the occupancy of their cars, you can do that really quick. And that doesn't say we shouldn't be working on All right, Bob, I want to make sure we can actually interview our candidate here. <laughs> so, okay. so the first thing that comes to mind is, one, I don't think individual car transportation is in the Constitution. Two, we have a culture that ha- in America that pushes people towards this individualism. And I think we could all use a little more collective um, we're all in this together approach to things. Three, climate change is the most pressing issue of our time. And climate change, uh, we know 
polluters are negatively impacting low-income communities, communities of color, and you know immigrant communities. It if climate change and transportation affect how people get to work, um, how they how they live their lives, and public transportation is an issue for folks to. I mean, I think the right is for workers. The rights that we need to uphold is for workers to be able to get to their jobs, for workers to be able to be happy and healthy and have health care and great education and a high standard of living. And the right that that there frankly isn't is for large corporations and extremely wealthy individuals to amass such vast amount of wealth that they're then able to tinker with our political system, which then affects transportation and climate change and healthcare and housing and all of those issues. And so, you know, you're right that we have the right to living our, our lives in the pursuit of happiness and freedom. Um, but I think that we have allowed a system to have certain winners and losers, and those winners right now are large corporations and corporate polluters and not individuals who are need to get to work every day and get their kids to school every day and have happy, healthy lives. Talking to Saren Bustle, candidate for House District 33 in Portland. Uh, Saren, if you were going to name the three, you can give me a different, you know, give us a different number if you want. If you're going to name the three biggest things that are going to be facing the legislature, and I don't mean, I don't mean Tina Kotek's three biggest priorities okay. for which she already has 32 votes counted. That's not what I mean. <laughs> right. I mean the stuff where Democrats might care about and also might disagree. Mm. Okay, what do you think the three biggest things the legislature is going to be facing? Well, what I would like them to be facing is progressive revenue reform. I think that our state really needs to look at all the 350 plus tax credits that are on the books, and those are primarily going to wealthy corporations and individuals and going through them one by one and making sure that those resources go back to the general fund for things like education and housing and mental health care and public transportation. So I would like them to look at progressive revenue reform. Um, I would also like them to look at campaign finance reform because those are two things that are capitalism, public, you know, financing of elections, how people have access to elections, um, they're kind of tied together. And so making sure that we not only have public financing of elections, but also lower the overall amount of money in politics, I think is critically important. So I'd like them to look at that because that affects who is in the legislature and who is representing us. Um, So those to me are very core issues. I know that Obviously, housing is on the legislature's agenda, which is great. Um, and addressing What's the next climate change. Move? Forgive, I mean, a step on the climate change yeah, no, line. But no what, do you think, what do you think is the next move on housing? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that we get more funding for affordable housing. I personally, it is such a, I wish, so I was thinking about this issue a lot um, because I think that people kind of want a quick answer to housing. And we yeah, know please, that Yeah, please, in 10 words or less. <laughs> right? So there's... There's housing affordability for folks who want to be able to buy houses and and how do we get access to that wealth. And there's also renters issues and renter protections and rent stabilization. There's the houselessness issue and all the root causes of houselessness from, you know, from a huge health care health bill to mental illness and addiction treatment that's needed and, and trauma and domestic violence. And there's so many root causes to all of the housing, quote unquote, issues across the state. And I think we need to look at each of them individual and what their root causes are and also how to fund them appropriately because people need those services across the states and state. And we need to pay for it. This might just amplify or it may prod you to say more. Just got a text in. Can you address the home? 
homeless issue. What I knew, what new ideas do you bring to this problem? End quote. <laughs> so I think we need to take a compassionate, empathetic approach when it comes to houselessness. <laughs> Again, there's not one root cause to houselessness, but I do know, and from folks that I've talked to at Street Roots or, um, you know, with, with various service providers, that people need permanent housing. People need permanent housing, they need affordable housing, and then they need the wraparound services like job training and health care and addiction treatment and recovery services and, and, and great educate, great schools. So we need to support each other and our community and invest in community so that we end the, oh and end the cycle of houseless criminalizing houselessness i mean i talk to folks who consider themselves to be fiscal conservatives and there's nothing fiscally conservative about spending four times as much money to cycle people in and out of the prison system where they don't receive the health care and mental health care that they need it's not restorative it's not just People need to be in affordable housing with wraparound services so that they can live happy, healthy, thriving lives. Let's talk just a little bit about the campaign. How much money at $500 a pop? You're the one candidate in this race at this point who's announced a public mm-hmm. limitation to your own fundraising, mm-hmm. who's trying to listen to what the voters of the county and city did. The, what are you hoping, excuse me, what, what do you, what, how much money at $500 a pop or, you know, $25 a pop do you think you'll be able to raise? What's your, what's your fundraising My goal, target? my fundraising goal is $85,000. Yeah. And it means I just have to call, you know, you do, you do the math, <laughs> that many more people to hit that fundraising goal. And, and of course, I'm reaching out to various unions and organizations that have PACs to ask for their endorsement and support. And honestly, you know, to me, yes, money is important for getting your name out there, but just the basics apply, you know, having a having a campaign manager, having a treasurer, being able to buy walk literature and lawn signs, but mostly getting out there on the doors and talking to people face to face and finding out what issues people care about in the district. That's the most important thing to me. How many votes ballpark do you think it takes to win? Is it going to take to win that district? Oh, I'm not going to tell you that because that's um, part of <laughs> That's your secret sauce. <laughs> I'm going to find out. How many we could look. I mean, how many yeah, votes you, would Mitch you get? Can, uh, you can look. You can look. Um, you know, that's well, that's a that's a tough question to answer because he was he never running, had an opponent, exactly. but, it would still, but I so, can still divide that in half. Yeah, but I'm running against four people. Yeah. Basically, I've tried to just inflate the amount of doors and folks I need to talk to. How so many that. people, in, how many voters in the district? Can you at okay, least tell us okay, that? Just I can give people an that. idea of the scope. Well, would you please share your campaign plan on the air? <laughs> no, I'm not going that far. But what's the, how many voters in the district? So in... In, for Democratic voters, because this is a Democratic primary, yeah. so sorry everyone else, please register to vote as a Democrat if you'd like to participate in our closed primary system, which, by the way, I support open primaries, so that's on the record now. Um, and uh, so there are about 21,000 Democratic voters in the district. The district comprises, as you've mentioned, some of Multnomah County and some of Washington County, and about 12,000 Democrats in Washington County, 9,000 so so in Multnomah got, County. Oh, nine, wait, wait, 12,000? 12, 12 in Washington, 9,000. So 21,000. Correct, correct. Okay. So if you got 10,000 in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a field, you're guaranteed to win. Right. And if you got 5,000, you're at least credible. Right. And then, the, so you then the your quick, magical you answer is math. somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. There. All right. That's helpful. <laughs> uh, what are the, by the way, you're listening to X-Ray FM, KXY Portland, KQAC, HD3 Portland, 107.1, 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. Dad, you have a last question for this fine person? <laughs> I was told I shouldn't have any more questions. No, questions are good. (laughs) Questions are good. Okay, well then, on the campaign finance issue, 
if the legislature decided to try to do something next month, is there a risk that they would do something which tried to to get along with the existing law that would then give them an excuse next January to say, well, we did something in February. We don't need to do anything really serious now. I think that's always the risk with any piece of legislation. I mean, we can look at Senate Bill 608, which was the renter reform bill. And, you know, some people will say, okay, well, clap our hands addressing housing in Oregon and move on to the next thing. And, you know, whether it's campaign finance, whether it's housing, whether it's transportation, I think there's always room for improvement. But to your also to your point, that's why we need to ask for it all. And we we need to ask for everything that we that we want to achieve because we know that it's going to probably get pulled back to um, some sort of compromise, which I'm not advocating for. But that's why we can't start from a middle position. You have to negotiate from the starting point of what what all do you want and more. What do you feel about a baseball stadium at Lloyd Center? At Lloyd Center? I yeah. thought it was being proposed over in Northwest. Yeah, as, as opposed to on the river? I, I think it's, well, the last conversation, last conversations I've had with people in the know say it can't really happen there because on the river because of transportation. Okay. Uh, like, how do you get there? I, I'm not, you know, and, but you, but it would work at Lloyd Center. But you, you could, if you want to say down on the, down on the North waterfront, that's fine too. I mean, as I'm, I, as far as you know, sports or anything, I I don't I have no opinion about sports go. Um, for me, it could be a baseball stadium. Stadium. It could be a large industrial hemp growing operation. To That's me, the other option. <laughs> right? I don't know. To me, what we're getting at is um, what kind of public financing, what kind of public funds are going into these uh, operations? Um, are they getting subsidies? Are they getting tax breaks? And is that is or are we paying for you know millionaires and billionaires to accumulate even more wealth? And so Which I makes think you it comes back in to favor of public finance. <laughs> I think yeah, and I think it comes back to also you know what's good for workers, what's good for our, what's good for is it going to provide good jobs? Um, and also I, I mean I really want to limit the amount of tax breaks that go to folks that will then just get enriched themselves. So we have to be care- we have to be careful. And I think if you talk to folks at the AFL-CIO, you know, they will be able to inform more about how those but negotiations took place. They what, definitely what, want the jobs and we have to support working families, but I we really need to be careful. I'm not a fan of um, giving tax breaks and tax subsidies to basically make sure that and what if, and what if we pull what if we pull the Green Bay and they had the baseball team belong to the city. Th- th- that's what we should do. The leagues have banned it ever since Green Bay did it. Uh, it's now against the rules. Because I once... I well, was it's against r- the rule in the NFL. Is it against the rule in I the think MLB? All, I think all three sports is against the rules. Oh, okay. uh, anything I should have asked you that I did in Sarah and Bustle? I don't think so, but I'll just put a plug in. I'm the board chair for the Craig Law Center. They're an environmental legal aid nonprofit that um, was working towards making sure Nestle wasn't able to bottle public water in the gorge. They've been working on the Juliana versus U.S. climate case, and they're a great organization, and I'm proud to be on their board. Well, Saren, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me.